This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs. For K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. My name is Josh. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is the uh, Halloween edition. With, this is the Halloween edition. I am not real sure <laughs> what is happening. Mark is with us, but he is... Describe that. What is going on, Mark? You said this was the Halloween episode. Are you Are you an owl? A turkey? Who do you think I am? Oh no! Probably some complete probably jokes. Some revolutionary <laughs> revolutionary war figure. We all agreed this was the Halloween episode. Mark is an owl. Mark, are are you an owl? What is yes, this? I am an owl. I. <sighs> Why do you have a diploma on your head? I'm a wise owl. Oh, okay. It's not a diploma. <laughs> wise something. Uh. This I am Josh. So with embarrassing. Me, as always, is Chris and Mark. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Mark, are you wearing that to school tomorrow? I wear this to work every day. Do you? The glasses are pretty sweet. Yeah, those are nice. Chris could have yeah. worn those at his marriage retreat this last weekend as the famous couple, Harry Potter and Hermione Granger. I went, and you know, if you're married, I encourage you to take retreats every once in a while, hang out with your spouses and stuff. But I went to this thing and, and, you know, whatever. I'm talking to both (laughs) both of you. For all of our listeners in Utah. Hang out with, yeah, for our our Utah uh, MSI SEC conference. That's not a thing anymore. Salt Lake City still getting me good. I encourage you, if you're married, to take a retreat every once in a while with your spouse. But I went to this thing, and it was like a one of the nights was a Halloween party. So I had to dress up as Harry Potter, and Stephanie was who again? Hermione. Yeah, Hermione. Um, and then who, who picked the- Stephanie? Did and we've never. I've never read the books, and I watched half of the first movie. <laughs> I got, or maybe more than half. I got to the part they started playing the game where they got the brooms and the they can fly. Quidditch, uh-huh. Don't know. Um, Half our listeners are <laughs> slamming their fists on the dashboard right now. If you want to send us an email, k12techtalk at gmail.com, email Chris and tell him how wrong the couple of Harry and Hermione is. They're not really yeah, I got told they yeah, weren't famous was couple. A couple's costume. Yeah, famous couples. That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nope. They no. didn't say famous nope. married couples. So they, they, they were like a duo, never, right? Kinda. They were a dynamic duo, but they were never a romantic duo. Mm. Well, we danced. I mean, we got on the dance floor. We always took our wands with us wherever we went. And then I like how Mark tries to make fun of me, yet he's an owl right now. Yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> I'm not the embarrassed one right now. <laughs> You're the one that showed up as Harry Potter and Hermione uh to a couple's costume contest. <laughs> that is pretty bad. So Mark, what's being on the East Coast and where you are, do you guys do anything fun for Halloween? Obviously, they dress, they dress up. <laughs> uh, nothing unique. I think the big thing in this area is to go to Salem, Massachusetts. Oh. Tell me more. Where the Salem witch trials are. It's like... Yes. 
it's it's huge i've got a in fact i was talking with a coworker who lives in salem and he's like i just i have to work from home <laughs> wow there's, there's no leaving or getting back into this town in a reasonable manner so that's about it that would Other be that is traditional halloween have you ever gone up there and toured around for the done the witches stuff yeah not on on halloween time but yeah because that's, well, no, that's, that's when, when they come out to play back. yeah it's a cool town interesting that would be an interesting Chris. We are our Christmas. Our Halloween parties are tomorrow. Um, so we'll be locked in our office and won't be going anywhere because parking in my district is horrible. Um, mm. So, cause if we move our cars, we will not be getting back or have a parking place when we try to come back. So um, we will be doing everything remote tomorrow. Chris, what about you guys? We're going to go party it up. We're going to hit some houses. <laughs> All right. During the Harry's day, coming, Harry's coming out. That during the day, I don't. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm not going. I'm not doing anything. Josh, so you Josh, and your I, wife are. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, I think if he's going to be dressing as Halloween at an elementary school tomorrow at school, and but he's never read the books, he doesn't know the story. I think this <laughs> is an opportunity for us. I was going to say, you, you and your wife are going to go trick or treating as Harry and Hermione tomorrow night. I think so. We got to maximize our dollars. <laughs> I'm a cheapskate. I mean, we gotta get two uses out of that thing. You are rather tight. I will. I will say that. Um, you know, though, uh, if you are a a budget conscious person, um, you don't have to worry about Fortinet and buying Fortinet hardware because they are a very budget worthy or a budget conscious purchase. Chris, why don't you tell our listeners how they can find out more about Fortinet and the product stack that they have? Well, Chris is the guy to reach out to. Not not. Not me, Chris, but Chris Illingworth, uh, Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com. Uh, email that email address, but that will be Chris that you actually reach, and he can get you going. And I mentioned this last episode, and I stand by it. He talked about uh, the many a client uh, that does not start with the Fortigate. They start with other uh, items, other, other services, other products, uh, so they can get you going. If you're trying to do something new with MFA, uh, they got the Forta token, right? They can help you out with your, uh, yes, with your firewall, but with many other different products. So, so you know, Forta token almost sounds like a like a um, a legalized marijuana tool. I don't think that's right, and I apologize for this. <laughs> like, like a, it's a verb, not not a noun. Forta token. Chris did let me know that he listens to each and every episode listening. <laughs> he does. Plug. I will have a text message from Chris Friday morning uh, telling me how he didn't appreciate the marijuana joke. Um, sorry to Fortinet. I know their, uh, the Forda EDR stuff is a pretty big deal as well. He talked about they have one school district that that was the first thing that they went to was the EDR. So give Fortinet a chance. You lay a Forda foundation with EDR. A strong Forda foundation. Yep. See, again, we like come up with all these ideas. All of these ideas. Um, so Mark has, I think, curated the majority of this content tonight. Mark, As he would as a wise a, owl. Wise, uh, yeah. Um, why don't you have a seat in the in the driver's seat here, Mark? Come on over. I'll, I'll trade you seats. And right. uh, come on can, up, buddy. You can lead the show. Yeah, come on up. Oh, Mark. Oh, we need Mark's intro music, the newsboy intro music. You got it? His his uh, flat iron scally cap. Get on up here, you news boy. We're ready to hear what you got to say, Mark. I uh, I don't have any... Uh, Come on up here, little buddy. 
There you go. <laughs> hey, Chris, before we get into the news, um, quick, quick piece of Harry Potter trivia you're going to need for tomorrow. Did you get to the part in the books where Harry explains the scar on his forehead? I didn't read the books. Oh. I did wear the scar, though. Okay, um, knife fight. He got into a knife fight <laughs> with Ron. So uh, just tomorrow. Yeah. You know, okay. Just for, for background. All right. First up, uh, this <laughs> this story uh, gives me goosebumps. So uh, Clark County School District. <laughs> I guess they're more of an owl bump than a goosebump. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> who? Who goes to the, the costume store and says, I want to give me reach up there on that top shelf, ignore the sexy IT worker costume and give me the owl with weird glasses costume. Who says that? Uh, nobody, Josh, because if you look carefully at this costume, you'll see that it's homemade. Oh, is it really? Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is. Did uh, your wife make that? No, no. Did your mom? Uh, but, uh, no, no, actually, this was made by somebody else. But yeah, but this is homemade. Um, okay. <laughs> All, right. Uh, All right. Clark County, Nevada. This is a story that gives me owl bumps. Uh, <laughs> they recently suffered a, uh, a ransomware issue uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, it happened on October 16th. So not too far along or not too long ago. Clark County, Nevada is one of the top five school districts in the country. So it is a very, very large school district. It is Vegas. Yes. That's 300,000 students. Um, What makes this ransomware story just a little bit unique is that the, uh, the attackers or the threat actors are now emailing directly to parents uh, with, we have your data and we're going to release it on this. So this is a very, very new, I have not heard of this tactic before. Um, but a new way of threatening and pushing a school district to uh, to meet your demands. So, so yeah. are they using like a business email compromise to, e- to email the parents or they're emailing from like Proton or something like that? So I, I can't tell from what has been released, but it, it does sound like Clark County disabled access to Google Workspace from external accounts. They did have some sort of a compromise within Google, but... I don't think you. It, it needs to be a business email in order to email parents. It sounds like they may have exfiltrated some data, huh. and then yeah. they can use whatever they want to email directly to the parents. Mm. That's horrible. Yes, and you know, I shared with you guys before we started that we had a parent call this afternoon and say, "Hey, I got a message from Remind this afternoon that you're canceling school tomorrow for so everybody can go trick or treating." Yes, you know, <laughs> you know it. it it's one of those things that parents get so many communications from the school. Mm -hmm. It's hard for them to decipher at times what's real, what's not real. And then you have something like this pop up and you add a little confusion and scare tactic factor into that. And it's goes sideways really bad, really, really bad. Yeah. And unfortunately um, in the emails, it, it does, you know, say, Hey, this is, you know, this unfortunate, but your child's data has been, uh, breach something <laughs> to that effect. But what makes this especially frightening is that's what or what makes this very different from your average email is that they actually included PDFs for for children for each of the the parents' children in the emails. So they are not just notifying parents, but they are proving it to parents that they Holy have. Holy! But cow. kudos to them for using a PDF that is a universal format. 
you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they did it right. Uh, I mean, they wanted to make sure so. it could be opened, right? <laughs> like, you use Word 97, yeah. it's going to nope, be a problem. You're going to have some parents that can't open that thing. Yeah. Uh, next story. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other one comes from... Philadelphia. This is actually not a school one, but it's a very good lesson or a good conversation for us to have. Uh, so the Philadelphia city uh, was breached. Uh, they just notified everybody uh, that they did suffer a breach and that there was some some data leak in it. Um, however, what makes this one unique, and the reason I wanted to kind of bring this one up here, is because they determined that between May of uh, of this year and July that an unauthorized actor was in their system. They, um, they, but what, what, what makes this very tough in the news is that Philadelphia knew about this, or they were first alerted to this one in May. Um, and it was two months that the threat actors were actually continuing to be in their system while they knew. Uh, and then they are just notifying people now. So they're getting, getting quite a lot of heat in the media for waiting five months to notify, uh, the community of this breach, uh, while they also were knowing that the threat actors were in their systems for for a period of about two months. So uh, very, very tough uh, press release to announce that you've had a breach so long ago, um, but you don't really know what's behind it. There could be uh, reasons legal or otherwise why they could not tell anybody, uh, but the press of it uh, is just a, it's a tough look to look over and, or to, to see and something that I think we all need to take a lesson from. So they found out in May, someone mm-hmm. was in their network Yep. That continued until July. Correct. Were they not taking any, any active defensive measures during that two months? Or does the article Hard say? It it does not say. It's very, uh, there's not a lot of information contained, so it's hard to know. I would assume that nobody's going to just allow them to be there, but we don't we don't quite know what that, yeah. uh, that level was like or that level of, mm. of knowledge was. So does it say that the reason, one of the reasons why they didn't announce until now was that they were performing forensic analysis on things or anything like that? Because you, sometimes you can see a delay in in those announcements when, you know, they've got a forensic team trying to decide, okay, what data, was there any data exfiltrated or how, what needs to be wiped and rebuilt? They're trying to figure out who done it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey Mark, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a lollipop? We're probably uh, that was three. probably just copyright three. three. Um, so a, a delay after the fact, I don't think is too far outside the scope of reason. But yeah, five months is, seems a little bit long. But there might be some sort of rationale to that. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think from from reading the announcement from Philadelphia, it, it does appear that it wasn't immediate that they knew that information was breached. However. Uh, it appears uh, sometime in August. So you're still looking at a kind of a two month yeah. uh, gap between when they knew that health information or, or private information were, were in these accounts that were compromised and when they notified the public. Interesting. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us about Extreme Networks real quick? Extreme Networks, a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. You can email Dominic Mayer, dmayer at extremenetworks.com. For all of your networking needs, uh, check out Extreme Networks. They have a great line of switches. Uh, Site IQ is the next big thing with them in regards to those switches. Check out Extreme. All right. Um, <clears throat> listener emails. Uh, Chris, you said there was something on Pro. 
Yeah, and actually, before I get to the pro one, we did have, this is a quick little shout out from listener June, uh, and a shout out for Pate, right? We'll try to bring these up as they happen, of course. We like talking about Pate. Uh, She just listened to the uh, In Memory of Pate episode. She said she didn't know Pate. She just knew him from the podcast. What a huge loss. Uh, Long story short, she wanted to say sorry, but thankful for the podcast and the Pate-isms. And man, if we can spread Pate-isms around, uh, I'm all about that. Um, And then on K-12 Tech Pro, uh, had the question posed about student-teacher accounts. So I know probably several times over the course of our 100-plus episodes, we've talked about substitutes and how we handle them. But uh, there was a question about student teaching. Uh, Do we give them a Windows account? Do they get full-on access? Do they get gradebook access the whole bit? You know, your student-teacher, they're going to clock some time. So what do you guys do? And do you like that you do it? Um, I don't like what we do. Um, the stance that has been taken is a student teacher is not an official teacher and they do not get an account. They're not to be taking attendance or anything like that. Um, I see both sides of this fence, but the part that gives me the most concern is I knowing how the classroom operates and how things go, I know that the teacher is then sharing credentials with that student teacher. Yeah. It just, it is what it is. Um, And they've been told not to, but when the part of student teaching is that that primary teacher isn't in the room for a good chunk of the year, how is that student teacher then recording grades? How are they taking attendance? That it's a larger discussion than just, the IT department or just a uh, curricular department. Um, but right now that's the stance that we've taken. Uh, we allow schools, uh, school administrators can create accounts. Uh, we have a system that allows them to create an account. It does have to go through automated, automated approval, uh, but they have the ability to create accounts and we do encourage them to create an account for somebody like a student teacher rather than, you know, risk, credentials being shared or, or people sharing devices. Um, that being said, there's, you know, there's only certain, so much that you can do, um, as a kind of a student teacher sponsor or contractor. Um, and there are a lot of systems out there that don't support Mm co-teaching, even if you, you know, want to do it. So it is, it is pretty tough, um, to do. And I think, I think there is a little bit of that sharing that happens, uh, with the teacher and their, their access to a student teacher. We give Windows accounts, and they have to sign tech user agreement, of course. We give a Windows account. If they will do, we have substitute teacher Google training, um, and it also does like this, it's this quick little video that I made. It only takes about 15, 20 minutes to watch the video and take a quiz, but basically they send an email. They prove that they know how to send an email. They have to type in a Google Doc. They have to show that they can, at the most basic level, collaborate on a Google doc. Um, and then they pass a quiz that goes over the basic technology resources that are in the classroom. So we talk about if we support DVDs or not, we talk about, uh, where the projector remote typically is. We talk about at our elementary that has a little sound system in the classroom, how that works. So they pass that quiz. If they do that, then they can have a Google account, uh, just like our substitutes. That's just for, uh, they can only email internally and share, uh, internally. And then I always make them give me an end date uh, that gets put into a calendar. So we turn off their accounts uh, right away as soon as their student teaching is done. 
the big question mark that's not really a question mark is those teachers, those sub, those student teachers are supposed to have, I guess, on their side of getting an education that they've done some grade book stuff. Well, we don't, we don't allow that yet. They're doing yeah. stuff. Um, so we know that, that, that I don't, I don't know how to fix that just yet for, for what we just unpacked, you know? Yeah. When, one word of caution too, we found is that people, um, the more accounts you create, the the more problems you start to run into in other systems as well. So um, we're now running into licensing caps on on systems that are yeah. are licensed for a certain number of staff. Um, so we've had to recently in one or more products actually take away licenses from kind of like contractor intern type accounts. We <clears throat> we just had that exact scenario in one of our buildings because of both long-term more long-term sub issues than student teacher issues. But yeah, same, same kind of idea. The, the more, the more long-term subs you have going on at any moment, if they're getting rostered or whatnot in a auto provisioning type solution, yeah, you're going to run into those license issues, which I, yeah, I don't know. Nature of the beast kind of thing, but licensing by teacher is a, that's why, you know, okay. going to change subjects. Um, but filters, web filterings for students, uh, I go out of my way to look for products that base it on student count instead of device count, because you have a a number of spare devices, 10, 15% spare devices. Well, you're going to have to buy 10, 15% more licensing than what you need because you have spare devices and it's assigned by device. So I'll, I'll give extra tally marks for a product that's licensed by student count instead of device count. Chris, mm. did you have running run out of license is super scary. Oh, I, it's horrible because it's it. Yeah, it's one of those things you never, never check. And then all of a sudden it sneaks up and bites you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ugh. So, you, I, you, you know, you, you can't always know when all these accounts are coming in. It's not like we can see in the dark uh, or anything like that. So. <laughs> um, I posted in pro earlier today. Mark, when was the last time you posted in pro? You have really good content when you post. I'm I'm sorry. I'm more of a lurker than I am a poster. So, so right. I, I should, posted. I, in, post I, I actually expected Mark to comment on my post today, but he hasn't. Um, it's about here he goes. He's going to go. I post. S- you I you s- suck. Um, I sleep. I sleep during the day. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I posted out there about AI. We've had a number of people come back from conferences and. You know, AI, I don't know if you guys have heard of heard about it. It stands for artificial intelligence. There's this new product Ugh. called Chat GPT. Um, so we're starting to get some of that content brought back. And where I'm I in the last couple of days I've had to have conversations about setting pretty hard guardrails on, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable to to paste in there for prompts and usage. And and the the conversation is starting to revolve around student data testing data, stuff like that, even if it's anonymized. So use case was chat GPT four is super, super awesome. And you can post student, not student data, but like test scores in there. And I said, well, here's the thing. And I, Mark, I haven't, I don't, I don't think I've talked to you about this. You you're my kind of go-to policy person. Um, no matter if it's anonymized or not, if you're posting that data into a large large language model and that model is learning from the content and the prompts that you are giving it, 
it is still taking that school owned data, which is protected, whether or not it's anonymized and should only be used for school benefit or school purpose. It is then learning from that content and that prompt to use in other instances. So my, my kind of guardrails in that statement is anonymized or not, you really should not be putting student data or, or test scores, stuff like that into a large, large language model to collate, give you trends, whatever, you name it. Um, so we're having some difficulty kind of trying to figure out what's acceptable and not. Mark, what, what's your take on that? Uh, I mean, you're 100% right that you do need to protect your data from being used in AI models, whether or not it's anonymized or not. Um, uh, the first thing I would say is, you know, anonymizing data is uh, way harder than it sounds. And so if you say, take out student names and, and IDs and dates of birth and put everything up there, that's not anonymized. Uh, it's just a smaller data set. Um, well, so even it, if you scrub it or change it, you do need to be careful with whether or not it's really anonymized or not. And and like someone else pointed out, if you are, you know, chat GPT-4 is currently paid product. I think it's like 20 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you have a paid account that can be tied to right. you in your school and yep. you're posting that data, that data really isn't anonymous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other the next point is around, you know, your your data as a whole, your data as a as a uh, a sole subject or, a, or, or a, a collection of your data is still property of the of the district. And so right. it then comes down to what are your local policies or, or board rules that allow you to share confidential data um, with an outside entity. Now, FERPA. Uh, is really about protecting the student record and the, the individual record and, and probably wouldn't wade into that anyways. Also, it was written in 1970 and has had very, very few updates. So it's definitely not ready for AI. Um, so I think it really comes down to what your local district policies are on data as a whole and and whether or not that can be uploaded to a system like ChatGPT. And what I came back to was our, you know, kind of our boilerplate student data privacy agreement there are statements in the DPA that say this data is only for school use, not for sale, not to train something, not to, you know, harvest data, whatever. And, and quite honestly, all of these uh, generative AI tools right now, they're all learning with, from the prompt and the data that's being fed into them. So to me that that's kind of in direct conflict of what we have in our DPAs. So right now I'm going to keep pushing back on. on Josh, I'm curious who's at the table with that conversation right now with you. Right now it's the folks that have gone to these conferences where AI has been a big discussion and they're coming back and they're talking about what they've, what they've learned. And we're kind of stepping through acceptable use and eh, you really, we, we really don't want to do that. Um, As a matter of fact, we have a PD day coming up on the first um, day after Halloween. And my high school librarian is going to lead a session on AI tools from the teacher's perspective, like magicschool.ai and Diffy, Diffly, Diffly, something like that, where it can take mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, content and differentiate the reading levels so that people at different levels, uh, comprehension levels, get something out of the same uh, content. Um, so, but that, but that's all from 
the teacher's perspective and, and primarily to be in assistance mm-hmm. in creating lesson plans. Um, it's not removing from the teacher from the classroom because the teacher still has to deliver that content um, and probably tweak whatever lesson plan is being generated by Magic School AI or what, what you know, pick your, fa- your favorite. Um, what we will not be getting into is that let's feed it data and see what kind of trends or analysis that it can pull back out, which it's probably getting really, really good at doing. But mm-hmm. right now, until we have a better idea of, of what's acceptable and not acceptable, I'm going to pump the brakes on that one pretty hard. Yeah, I don't I don't think you can win the battle of fighting against AI, and nor should you. No. But that's definitely a, uh, a line you want to draw in the sand around staff or students uploading confidential data and just yeah. leave it at that. Anonymized or not. Like it, right. It's school-owned data. Now, if you want to ask it a question and have it help you create a lesson plan or a unit of study, I think that's a completely different conversation. Um, but feeding it, feeding it real data like that. Um, no, we're not ready for that. What else? Here's my quick, I guess it, I don't, it's not a fun story, but my quick story, quick fun story. Um, so we do bring your own device. Okay. Um, as a separate, you know, bit that our faculty and staff and students can get on. Uh, they get put into their own network, the whole bit. Uh, but we we allow a kid, if they have a MacBook, they don't like our Chromebook, they can bring it. Um, if, if we have a staff member that has a device they want to put on, they can, in particular cell phones. Here's the long story short. Uh, my, my superintendent several weeks ago uh, reminds our staff about our cell phone usage policy. Okay? Okay. No big deal. Which, out um, of curiosity... What is that policy? Basically that you can have it out when not doing instructional time, but you shouldn't have it out if it's during instruction. Okay. Um, And then pretty much the next week, um, a cell phone tower in our area goes down. Um, And with that, uh, some hilarity ensues or whatever you want to say. We had some conspiracy theories going around that the tech department, in particular me, that we were blocking cell phone uh, coverage in the buildings to help enforce that policy. Uh-oh. Uh, it wasn't us, right? It's just a cell phone tower down. Um, but uh, that was going around, and we had to put out some fires and some rumors for about a week and a half because that tower was down for a while. Wow. I had to try to explain to teachers about, you know, your classroom, it's got a bunch of cinder blocks around it. You're probably used to two bars or three. Right. That's with good signal. Well, the tower's down, so now you don't have any. It's not that I put paint on the walls. Uh, it's just that the cell phone is weak. And then we try to get them to jump onto our bringer on device, our Wi-Fi. Sure. Uh, and there's always some little conspiracy theories going around with that if we're tracking what people are doing, if they're on that thing or not. So just kind of one of those deals where you try to do good PR, um, but not fun. I haven't had fun with it. I I will say whatever whatever they're doing with towers right now is really screwing up signal. Like we've had, I can be outside my house. I have full signal, 5G plus. I come inside my house and I'm at like a quarter of a signal. And it didn't used to be that way. Um and we have large portions of our high school that because of how the building is situated, 
it's below grade when you look at it towards the yeah. the main tower and you just flat don't have signal um i've had discussions i cracked a bunch of jokes about like yeah that cell phone blocking paint must really be working cuz i and I, how i spill it all over my car and you know at my house and um you know like whatever but it 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 does bring about this other conversation that's been had so at one of our elementaries so we do google and other MFA. Yeah. Well, teachers oh, not yeah. getting on our Wi-Fi. They didn't yeah. have good cell phone reception, so they can't use their MFA. Um, and then we were unpacking how to navigate through that. And, you know, but the the fix is to just jump on our Wi-Fi and you're gonna be fine. But yeah. But then again, it brings up the question if you don't have a network with bring on device, what do you do if cell phone coverage is bad for MFA? Right. And I I think the easy answer to that is if you're, if it's Google is use the Google authenticator app. Um, that'll work without, without service, no matter what. Um, we seem to have lost Mark and I'm kind of surprised he hasn't come back. Um, yeah, he, uh, his, his last words were my internet is cutting out. Yeah. My internet is cutting out. (laughs) And he's not back. Um, so, Chris, we have a new sponsor that actually isn't we do. new, but they're back for a second time, second or third time. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to say uh, that Status Gator uh, is back with us. And if you don't know about Status Gator, we encourage you to check them out. They were actually one of our earliest sponsors, if I kind yeah. of remember right. Um, I think we did a special one-off episode where we only talked about Status Gator. Do you remember that, Josh? I do. Uh, so Status Gator, uh, what's cool about them and 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 why why it's timed out to be October 2023, and they're hanging out with us again is again uh, is that they've kind of rebuilt their stuff from the ground up and they've built it with K12 in mind. Uh, so it's a monitoring tool used by hundreds of school districts. Uh, we actually know that several schools signed up for Status Gator after uh, checking them out from the podcast. Uh, so we're excited about that too. But uh, tech teams, basically, you can get on Status Gator. You could stay informed of outages of providers. Uh, you don't have to sign up for all these different status pages. Uh, status Gator does that work for you and more than that. Uh, so they have a cool product uh, built for K-12 that will show you upcoming maintenance on all of your stuff. Uh, that can just give you good control, like a good dashboard. So uh, right now, if you go to statusgator.com slash K12podcast, they have some special plans there, some special information there. Uh, They're going to be with us for the next three episodes. So statusgator.com slash K12podcast. Yeah, so it it was always interesting to me to kind of watch that, um, those alerts come in and the different services and when they would go down and come back and stuff like that. Um, so one thing that I've been fighting with and I, you know, since the beginning of the year, we went with campus, uh, grade sync. Oh, here comes Mark. I, I was fully expecting a different costume. I've been some internet issues tonight. This what is happened, buddy? back. This is very embarrassing. Uh-oh. We may have lost him again. <laughs> You're, yeah, we normally make fun of Chris, but you, the gentleman that lives in one of the biggest cities in the world, is having internet problems. Um, so we've been fighting this grade sync <laughs> issue 
since we went live with campus and it just random errors with Google Classroom syncing grades and just you get a very, very descriptive error like an error has occurred. Um, Sweet. After, yeah, after multiple those tickets. Those are the with best. Both, those are the best. After multiple tickets with both campus and Google about this issue. And of course, to begin with, they doing one of these pointing fingers at each other. Uh, late Friday night, Google finally said, yes, this is a problem on our side. Development is looking at it. And by the way, what severity and priority would you give this? I'm like, seriously, guys, I've been fighting with you for three months on this. What do you mean? What kind of severity and priority would I give this? So I replied to the guy. I'm like, well, let's see. I've got about 200 teachers that are ready to cause me bodily harm. What severity would you give that? And he, <laughs> he didn't, I had to ask for an update today. So I, he didn't appreciate my humor. Did you say that believe. was Google support saying that? Yeah. Yeah. So Google has admitted that they have an issue with this. So um, I'll, I'll just say, if you've got a problem with, with uh, class, Google Classroom syncing grades to one of their so- supported products like Aspen Classroom, I don't know if PowerSchool's on that list or not. Uh Email us, k12techtalk at gmail.com, and I might share my Google ticket with you so that you, you can attach to it just to prove to those yahoos that is this our, uh, hey, Google. Yeah, this is our hey, Google segment again. This is our hey, Google segment. Get your act together. Because, again, like we said last week, they're going to start charging. If you want to be able to grade sync going forward in 2024, you've got to buy up to the Education Plus platform. So get your act together if you're going to start really charging for this that's the problem so we think we think google's dropping the priority on this whole secure by design stuff um then they get their act together with it and then this as well josh yeah so that it's been a pretty big frustration for our teachers cuz it'll work once and then it won't work another 8 9 10 times in a row and then it'll work and then it won't work. It's beyond frustrating. And of course, at the end of end of the quarter and end of the semester, that's when everybody's stressed out right. about it. Um, so yeah, it it's been a problem. Uh, let's see, Chris, I, our our uh, resident owl has left us. He flew the coop. Um, <laughs> do uh, you have any closing thoughts or final thoughts for tonight? It's the night before. No, All I Hallows hope Eve. everyone has a great. Happy Halloween. We are K-12 Tech Talk, and so are you. What? I, I wasn't ready. And uh, what's your know. favorite Halloween candy? Lemon heads with friends. Really? Not just lemon heads, though. I want the friends with it. What's the difference? Well, there's different flavors. Little bitty oh. box, like a 25-cent box, but it costs like close to 50 cents now, but there's lemon heads in there, and then there's a bunch of other flavors, the friends. Huh. I didn't know that. Yep. All right. What about you, uh, Josh? Um, I don't know. I would have to go with Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, just because that's an awesome one. Um, uh, Mark just text. Six schools just went down. I say there's a bigger issue in the city. Uh, oh boy. So Mark's city might be getting DDoSed or something. Um, well... Maybe we'll hear about you his heard district it here on first. Yeah, we'll hear about his his district on the news this week. Um, shoot us an email, like I said, k12techtalk at gmail.com. We love listener feedback, listener questions. 
if you're on uh, K12 Tech Pro, hit us up there, uh, post out there. We might highlight you here. And we're on Twitter as well, or X, whatever it's called this week, um, if it's still around, K12 Tech Talk Pod. And go find our YouTube channel, K12 Tech Talk Podcast, I think, or K12 Tech Talk. Uh, go subscribe to that. We're up to 49 subscribers now. Woo! We are starting to post this. And uh, hopefully, if we ever get a good video recording, we will post the video recording over there too so you can see us uh, and Mark's. I hope this one works too. and we see Mark. I hope in so and too. Out. But he's he's dropped in and out. He was an owl. Then he was a guy with just a t-shirt and some weird glasses. Uh, but I guess we will see you next week after Halloween and we will recap what is going on. Thanks for listening. See ya. The views and opinions expressed on the K-12 Tech Talk podcast are the personal opinions of Josh, Chris, and Mark, and do not represent the views or opinions of our sponsors or other organizations that we're affiliated with. The material information presented here is for general information and entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.